Luke's English podcast is made possible thanks to donations from listeners and my sponsors. Today's sponsor is italki, and I just wanted to point out that it is possible to get free language exchanges through italki. You can find native English speakers who might want to learn your language and then do language exchange conversations online. You can practice your English and also enjoy teaching some people your language too. Of course, you can also opt for paid lessons with professional teachers and uh, there are many profiles to check out. When you do buy some talking time, italki will give you a voucher worth a free lesson. To get the offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're doing really, really well out there in podcast land. Like, I just hope hope you're having a really great day, even if you are just sitting on some bus on the way to work or something like that. I just hope it's just really, really good. Like, oh, this bus seat is so comfortable. I hope that you managed to get, like, the best seat on the bus, the seat that you prefer. I don't know which seat that would be. Maybe it's the seat right at the back, so you can sit there like a cool person, just lounging at the back of the bus like one of the cool kids, or maybe you prefer the uh, the the like extra fold the seats that fold down somewhere near the front because it's quite nice to be able to fold your seat down before uh, before you sit on it. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that you enjoy. When I was a kid. That was like one of my favorite things for some reason. I don't know what this says about my childhood. But for me, one of the things I loved the most was seats that folded down on public transport. So if we ever took the bus somewhere, um, I was always interested in sitting on a seat that you had to fold down. If we ever took a, a black taxi in London, and those of you who've taken black taxis in London will know that they are the greatest mode of transport. Um, they have seats that fold down as well. And I used to be so excited at the prospect of folding down my seat before I could sit on it. Yeah. And to be honest, that excitement is still with me today. Um, I'm not embarrassed to admit. In fact, I'm proud to admit that I still get excited by the prospect of sitting on a folding down seat on public transport. So that's what I like. That's that's what I'm into. <laughs> I think it's good, isn't it, to keep these to keep that kind of um, childhood spirit alive. I'm kind of partly joking. I'm just saying it just because it's sort of amusing, but it's also kind of true. I do like a folding down seat. Anyway, if you're on a bus, I hope you're on a you're sitting in a seat that you like. I hope you're in the best. I hope you've got a window seat so you can see what's going on around you. Welcome to a new episode. It's the spring equinox. Do you know what that means? It basically means it's the first day of spring. I'm recording this on the 20th of March. So the first day of spring, I th- it's something to do with the position of the sun in the sky. The fact the sun, I think, is now directly overhead the equinox. Not the equinox, the equator. The equator is basically the, that sort of ring that goes around the middle of the earth, like a band that goes around the uh, the earth. And... Uh, at this time of year, 
the sun apparently is right above the equator, which for some reason means this is the first day of spring. Because all these things, like the the position of the sun in the sky, this kind of dictates the seasons and stuff, doesn't it? So anyway, first day of spring. So we, we can say goodbye to winter. Goodbye, winter. Bye, bye. So he's saying, and this is winter. Goodbye. See you late. See you later in the year. That's how winter speaks. Huh? Anyway, uh, so we can say goodbye to winter, which is nice, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is lovely because now we can say goodbye to those cold days, the darkness, the the darkness, the depression. Uh, and hello, spring, with all the, your flowers and the birds singing and extra hours of sunlight in the day. Oh, it's a refreshing change. If you live in the area, in the part of the world where I live, this is a nice moment when spring uh, begins. So that's nice. Um, what else? Uh, just before we start, what else can I say? So uh, thank you for all your correspondence. If you sent me messages recently uh, by email through the website or whatever, or um, comments on the website or other things, thanks for your recent correspondence. I did two episodes lately which were called Posh or Not Posh. And I asked you to uh, send me your thoughts, and many of you did. So it's nice to to hear from you, as always. Uh, if I don't get back to you, if you sent me a message and I haven't got back to you, then I, I do apologise. I can't get back to everyone. I just can't do it. Sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, but uh, a number of people wrote uh, messages in the comments section with uh, uh, celebrities that they know, uh, they know about and wondering if they sound posh or not. So very interesting to keep the conversation going. Now, I haven't finished with this whole posh or not stuff because I'm hoping to get Amber and Paul on the podcast tomorrow. I've invited them round here tomorrow afternoon and they've both said yes. So it's on. I mean, you know, things change. Sometimes uh, things change. So I can't make any guarantees, but uh, I should be speaking to them tomorrow. So that should be an upcoming podcast. And we're going to continue that exercise in which we try to work out how posh some British celebrities are. So I'll be doing the same thing that I did in the last episode, but this time joined by Amber and Paul. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the conversation will will progress with the two of them involved. Anyway, some Amber and Paul action coming onto the podcast soon. Right, so what about this episode? This one, I believe this one is called episode 583, British comedy, The Dirty Fork slash restaurant sketch, brackets, Monty Python. So here's another British comedy episode. And we're going to watch a sketch by Monty Python's Flying Circus. You know who Monty Python's Flying Circus are, don't you? They were a comedy group from England. Um, They started right at the end of the 60s, and they made TV shows and films during the 70s and into the 80s as well, I think. But um, they're just great. Um, They're famous around the world. I think when you say British comedy to people, Monty Python is one of the, the things that people will mention. They'll also mention Mr. Bean, um, I think that personally I'm less proud of Mr. Bean, although I think he's very good. Um, but Monty Python really is my thing. And I grew up watching Monty Python with my friends and family and I just love it. So we're going to watch a, we're, we're going to listen to a comedy sketch by Monty Python and do all that stuff, like understand it, like a, like you would if you were a native speaker. 
And in this sketch, this time we're looking at British manners, politeness, communication style, and also just some madcap comedy as well. So I've done similar episodes in the past on the similar theme of, you know, communication style, politeness, British manners and stuff like that. So um, I have done sort of similar episodes in the past. And those episodes have been things like my episode about British communication style, which was called What Brits Say Versus What They Mean. The episode about British comedy with Amber, which I think was called What Is This British Comedy? What What is this British comedy? Uh, the episode I did called How to Learn English with Comedy TV Series and the episodes I've done about Monty Python's Flying Circus. I've done two episodes about them in the past. One which was just introducing you to their comedy and we looked at the Dead Parrot sketch and another one which was looking at a scene from one of the films and it was a chance to look at um, language for describing things like well, politics and government and um, and stuff like that, monarchy and different forms of, of, of government. You can find those episodes in the episode archive, of course, uh, on the website and in your app as well. By the way, if you're using the Luke's English Podcast app, there is a search function. If you go to your list of episodes and just drag the list down, you should see a little search bar just appear at the top and then you can search for, um, you know, words <laughs> words of course you can search for words as you would normally would do but you can search for like certain words that might pop up in titles so you could search for the word comedy you could search for the word monty and you might find that it the search bar the search function will you know pick out those episodes for you you could search amber and paul amber and the and is usually an ampersand you know like the and mark right so anyway So we're going to listen to a clip from Monty Python's Flying Circus and also consider the cultural values behind the sketch and how that relates to things like making complaints, saying sorry and making requests. So cultural stuff and also some linguistic stuff too. Uh, Before we continue, I'd like to just say at this point that I highly recommend that you buy some Monty Python stuff. Uh, You can get their DVDs from most good DVD places and some bad ones as well, I expect. Uh, for example, you can get the DVD box set from Amazon, and I heartily recommend that you buy it, or at least buy, I don't know, uh, their movies like The Life of Brian and The Holy Grail. Uh, you can also check out the Monty Python YouTube channel, where a lot of their content is available free. Just go to YouTube and search for Monty Python. So let me just give you an introduction to the sketch then. So, well, before we l- listen to the uh, audio from this video, Let's just think about this general topic of, um, well, of English people going to restaurants and whether or not they, they make complaints if it's, if it's necessary. So there is, a quite, there is quite a well-known series of postcards that you might be aware of. Uh, if you've been to England and you've studied English in England, you may have seen these postcards because they're quite common, quite commonly found in English uh, language schools. So these postcards are called the, it's called the How to Be British Collection. The How to Be British Collection. You might have seen them. They contain little cartoons illustrating life in England from the point of view of learners of English. And there are some classic sketches in that collection. Um, You can buy the books, the How to Be British Collection. You can buy them on, on Amazon. Now, one of the postcards 
is called Lesson 16, How to Complain. And it shows a couple in a restaurant in England, we imagine. And they don't look happy with the food. The man says to his wife, I think his wife, he says, this meat is tough as old boots. It's as tough as old boots. Now, tough, okay, this is a word that we use to describe meat, which is not soft or not tender. If if a steak is like really bad quality meat, and if it's cooked too much, it will become tough. So it's like mm, 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 difficult to eat. And as tough as old boots, well, you can imagine boots meaning the things you put on your feet. Um, if something is as tough as old boots, it means it's very tough indeed. So the man says, this meat is as tough as old boots. And the woman says, it tastes off. More good language. So if something is off in English, if food is off, it means that it's past, it's kind of gone past its good phase. It's not fresh anymore. For example, milk, if you take some milk out of the fridge and you open the bottle and smell it, if it smells disgusting, you could say it's off. It smells off, it tastes off, it is off, it's gone off, right, for food that's no longer fresh. So she says, it tastes off, and these vegetables are cold. Okay, so in the next frame of the postcard, the cartoon, the man says, ooh, this wine is awful. I asked for dry, and they've given us sweet, because white wine generally can be dry or sweet. And she says, And the woman says, and look, there's a worm in my side salad. A worm, you know, a worm like a little creature. If you go fishing, you would use a worm on your hook as bait. So, there's a worm in my side salad. So, the meat is as tough as old boots. It tastes off. The vegetables are cold. um, The wine is awful. And there's a worm in the side salad. So, it's just a typical English restaurant, isn't it? Ha, 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 yeah, go on, go and have a good laugh about English food. The whole world can just go and have a good old laugh about English food, right? (laughs) Very funny. So, then the waiter comes over and he says, so how's your meal? Is everything all right? Which is obviously what waiters do. So, what would you do in that situation? So, you've sat down, the meat is as tough as old boots, the fish tastes off, the vegetables are cold, the wine is wrong, and there's a worm in the side salad. And then the waiter comes over and says, is everything all right? So what would you do? What would you say? How would you respond? Would you complain? And how would you do it? Well, if I, you probably would, wouldn't you? Especially if there was a worm in your salad. I'm, I'm certain that you'd complain about that. Well, in the sketch, after the waiter says, is everything all right? The man says, oh, yes, it's all lovely. And the woman says, it's excellent. Thank you. Okay, so they don't complain at all. They, in fact, uh, lie. Do they lie? I suppose they do lie. But they, they, they say, no, everything's fine. It's great, with smiles on their faces, even though it's obviously not. Okay, hmm. so the point here, the point of this postcard is that it's the idea that British or English people avoid saying the bad thing. They avoid making the complaint because they're too polite and they don't like to cause a problem. So they say it's all fine. Right, now, is this a stereotype of English communication style? 
well, partly, as we've seen before, we've talked about this this whole idea before. And just like with most stereotypes, there's an element of truth in it, but not always. What about me? What would I say? What would I say in that situation? Terrible food. There's a worm in the salad. The waiter says, how is everything? Well, I think I would say that the food was no good, honestly. I think I would. I'd say the food was no good, especially the part about the worm. I mean, especially if there's a worm in the salad, you're going to definitely say something about that. Now, obviously, those extreme details, like the worm in the salad, those are added for comic effect uh, in order to illustrate the point that even when there's a worm in the salad, the the, the English woman goes, no, no, it's all fine, thank you. Hmm. But if my food was not just... If my food was just not up to scratch, like if it just wasn't really good enough, like if you got, you know, if you forget about the worm and the, 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 the meat is just tough and overcooked, let's say, would I complain? Now, I don't know. I probably wouldn't complain if it was something minor. But a big thing would be an issue. And obviously a worm is a, is a big thing. Well, it's not a big thing. Depends on the size of the worm, doesn't it? Ha <laughs> ha. But uh, certainly any kind of worm would be a significant thing. So I would complain about that. But what's definitely true is that I don't like getting into a situation of conflict or confrontation. And so I would probably be very reasonable about my complaint. My wife, on the other hand, is more direct about these things. She's French. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. It probably does. I think the French, by nature, are more what's the word for it? They they apply themselves a bit more in these situations, I think. And m- between my wife and me, we often notice a big difference in the way that we deal with things like this. She's much more direct about making a, c- a complaint and getting what she feels she is entitled to. She's got no problem. She's got no qualms about making a complaint if she feels that she has the right to do so. But for some reason, it's more difficult for me. I don't really like getting into those confrontations. Now, is this just me or is this British people in general? I think it's a bit of both, really. I'm perhaps not the confrontational kind, uh, but also Brits are like that too, more than other nations. Well, some nations, as far as I can tell. There are probably other nations out there that also, like the Brits, sort of don't like you know, to have confrontations with waiters and things, and they would find other ways of dealing with issues. I don't know. But, you know, you can let me know in the comments section, what's the culture like where you are. Uh, So why do people want to avoid confrontation? What's the worst thing that could happen? Why is it that some British people don't want to cause a fuss? Because that's the thing. Oh, I don't want to cause a fuss. A fuss. This is like the thing that every... British or perhaps English person is is most afraid of a fuss. <laughs> now, what is a fuss? A fuss is basically unnecessary or excessive excitement or activity. It's normally negative. So, let's say, for example, a fuss would be if you complained about a worm in your salad. A fuss there would be. Suddenly, the, 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 the restaurant manager comes out and starts talking to you about it. And maybe the restaurant manager goes into the kitchen and you can hear him shouting at the, the uh, you can hear him shouting at the chef. And there's like, you know, lots of trouble and other people in the restaurant are suddenly looking over and people have stopped talking and they're looking and it's kind of embarrassing 
and ex- there's excitement, activity, interest, confusion, agitation, disturbance, rigmarole, right? Uh, that's going on and it brings unnecessary attention to you and suddenly it's an embarrassing and awkward situation. So that's a fuss. Oh, I don't want to cause a fuss. It seems to be the thing that people are concerned about. So um, why don't people want to cause a fuss? Well, let's find out, shall we, uh, in this sketch. So that takes us on to the Dirty Fork sketch, or the or the restaurant sketch, as it's sometimes called, uh, by Monty Python. What we're going to do here is then listen to this sketch, and I would just like you to try and understand what's going on. It'll help if you watch the video as well, which you'll find on the website, because there are a couple of visual elements to this sketch. But if you don't watch it, just try to work out the details as you listen. Essentially, you will hear a couple of people, a a man and a woman, in a French restaurant. And they have a problem, and they complain about it. And then they are visited at the table by various members of the restaurant staff, including the waiter, the head waiter, the manager, and finally, the chef from the kitchen. So let's listen to it and see if you can work out what's going on, what is being said. And then I'll break it down for you so that you understand it just like a native speaker. Okay? And for a bonus point, um, I'd like you to watch out for the punchline of the sketch at the end. Remember what the punchline is. This is the final line uh, in a joke, the line that kind of delivers the laugh. So what is the punchline at the end of this sketch? Because when... Uh, you're writing a comedy sketch it's good to have some sort of ending moment or a line or something that ends the sketch on a funny note and uh, this sketch kind of goes on and on a bit it goes a bit crazy but then they manage to get a punchline at the end but it's kind of a oh it's it's a bit of a contrived punchline so anyway what's the punchline At the end of the sketch, you can get a bonus point by identifying that. So let's now listen to this sketch, and I'm going to blow my nose, because I don't know if you can tell, I've got a bit of a blocked-up nose. So while you're listening to the sketch, I'm going to go and blow my nose. But here is the Dirty Fork sketch uh, from Monty Python's Flying Circus. What is going on, and what is the punchline at the end? And now for something completely different. It's nice here, isn't it? Oh, very good restaurant. Three stars, you know. Really? Mm. Good evening, sir. Good evening, madam. Good evening. And may I say what a pleasure it is to see you here again, sir. Oh, thank you. Mm. Well, there you are, dear. Let's have a look there. Anything you like? The uh, Buffon Crute is fantastic. Oh, if I may suggest, sir, the Faisant à la Reine. The sauce is one of the chef's most famous creations. Mm. <laughs> that sounds good. That's anyway, gorgeous. just have a look. Take your time. If you like. Oh, uh, by the way, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Could you uh, get me another one? A bigger bottle? Um, well, something. I, I've got a fork, a little bit dirty. Could you get me another one? Thank you. Oh, sir, I do apologise. Oh, no need to apologise. Doesn't worry me. Oh, no, no, no. I do apologise. I will fetch the head waiter immediately. Oh, there's no need to do that. Oh, no, no. I'm sure the head waiter, he will want to apologise to you himself. Oh. I will fetch him at once. Oh. Well, you certainly get good service. They really look you? after you, yes. Excuse me, sir, madam. Oh, no, please, it's no trouble. It's quite right that you should point these kind of things out. Gaston, 
Tell the manager what has happened immediately. Please, please, I, I don't want to cause any fuss. Please, it's no fuss. We simply wish to ensure that nothing interferes with your complete enjoyment of the meal. I'm sure it won't. It's only a dirty fork. I know. Well, I'm sorry. Bitterly sorry. But I know that no apologies I can make can alter the fact that in our restaurant you have been given a dirty, filthy, smelly piece of cotton. What a smelly? It was smelly and obscene and disgusting and I hate it, I hate it, I hate it! Nasty, grubby, dirty, mangy, grubby little dog! What? Good evening, sir. Good evening, madam. I'm the manager. I've only just heard. And may I sit down? Yes, of course. <laughs> I want to apologise humbly, deeply and sincerely about the fork. Oh, no, please. I was only a tiny bit dirty. I just couldn't see it. Oh, you're good, kind, fine people for saying that. But I can see it. To me, it's like a mountain. A vast bowl of pus. Oh, <laughs> it gets me... <laughs> I can't give you any excuses for it. There are no excuses. I've been meaning to spend more time in the restaurant recently, but I haven't been too well, and things aren't going very well back there. The poor cook's son has been put away again, and poor old Mrs Dalrymple, who does the washing up, can hardly move her, her poor fingers. And then there's Gilberto's war wound. But they're good people. And they're kind people. And together, we were beginning to get over this dark patch. There was light at the end of the tunnel. What of this? What of this? Happened? Could I get you some water? It's the end of the road. <laughs> you bastards! You vicious, heartless bastards! Look what you've done to him! He's worked his fingers to the bone to make this place what it is. And you come in with your petty, feeble quibbling. And you ride him into the dirt. This fine, honourable man whose boots you are not worthy to kiss. Oh, it makes me mad. Mad. <laughs> Easy, Mungo. Easy. Mungo. Oh, the war wound. The wound. The wound. It's the end. Ah, oh, they destroyed him. The end. Oh. He's dead. They killed him. Revenge. Revenge. Mungo. Never. Kill a customer. <laughs> Lucky we didn't say anything about the dirty knife. <laughs> Okay. All right. Absolute, absolutely mad, uh, that sketch. And I've just realized that I showed that sketch to some classes uh, a few years ago when I was teaching in London. I used to, I, I made a whole uh, lesson about uh, how to apologize and how to, uh, how to say, yeah, how to apologize and how to complain. That was it. 
And every class I would show them that video and the number of times at the end, all the students were just like sitting there in silence, just like, what, what was that? (laughs) I've just remembered. So maybe you're doing exactly the same thing at this point. Maybe you're just going, uh, what the, what the hell was that? What just happened? Okay, let me explain. And then we're going to go through it again so that you actually can hear and understand the words being said. So here's a summary of what happened. And then I'll tell you the punchline. So the summary is that, first of all, a man and woman are in a fancy restaurant. The French waiter is very keen to make their stay satisfying. He's trying his best to make them uh, comfortable. The man asks for another fork because his is a little bit dirty. And the reaction of the waiter is extreme. He seems to overreact. He apologizes profusely. Uh, and then he fetches the head waiter who comes to apologize as well. I'm going to write that. He apologizes profusely. That's a nice collocation, isn't it? To apologize profusely. So he apologizes profusely. He fetches the head waiter. He goes to get the head waiter who comes to apologize profusely. He makes over the top apologies. The restaurant manager then comes out and his apology is serious and dramatic giving all of these reasons why they've been having so many problems in the kitchen and there's Gilberto's war wound has been playing up and poor Mrs. Dalrymple in the kitchen who's got arthritis, she can hardly move her fingers and, you know, we it's been a very dark time but we started to see the light at the end of the tunnel when this, this happened. So it's like an extremely over-the-top reaction to the dirty fork. And while the the restaurant manager is having some, it's like a Greek tragedy, his response. He's kind of um, broken, like a broken man. Finally, the chef comes out from the kitchen and he is a huge, angry man. And he's holding a meat cleaver. A meat cleaver is a sort of big, heavy knife that a butcher would use to chop up meat. So the chef comes out, this huge guy played by John Cleese. He's got a meat cleaver. He's furious with the customers because they've made a complaint which has caused so much sorrow to the staff of the restaurant. Uh, the restaurant manager kills himself with the fork. He can't take it anymore and he stabs himself in with the fork and dies. And at this point, the, the chef, whose name is Mungo, I love the name of the chef, Mungo is the sort of, it's the name for a sort of a big hulking, you know, like a big, stupid, mad, dangerous man would be called Mungo. So Mungo shouts revenge as he then tries to kill the man and the woman. And then finally, the waiter runs out of the kitchen and sort of rugby tackles Mungo and they fall over the table and it ends in chaos. And what was the punchline? Did you catch it? Well, the man, the, the man, the customer turns to the camera and he says, well, lucky I didn't tell them about the dirty knife. Ha 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 ha. It's quite good. I quite like it. So meaning it's a good thing I didn't tell them that I had a dirty knife because if I told them about the dirty knife, then it would have been much worse, wouldn't it? Okay, so there you go. Let me just give you a few comments about things like language that that's being used there. So there's a lot of minimizing language, minimizing language, language to make things seem smaller, less serious. So if you noticed, the man, the customer said, he, well, he didn't say, I've got a dirty fork. 
What did he say? Let, let's back up and, and have a look at that again. So let's listen. What exactly does the man say as his complaint? Pleasure it is to see you here again, sir. Oh, thank you. Oh, uh, by the way, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Could you uh, get me another one? Uh, by the way, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. A bit of a dirty fork. So it's not, I've got a dirty fork. It's, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. A small detail, but it's an example of the sort of minimising language that gets used. Now, it's ridiculous, really. Either you've got a fork or not, right? You can't have a bit of a fork. Well, you could. You could have just the handle. But anyway, the, your, your fork can be a bit dirty. But it's a bit silly to say, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Uh, However, this kind of minimising language is very common when people want to make something sound less serious than it is. Even though, to be honest, a dirty fork is not that serious at all. But anyway, he says, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Another example would be something like this. We've got a bit of a dirty table. Could you give it a bit of a wipe, please? We've got a bit of a dirty table, which means the table is a little bit dirty. Could you give it a bit of a wipe? Meaning, can you give it a wipe? Can you wipe the table? So it's, we use a bit of a, instead of just saying a, like the article a, you can say a bit of a, so a bit of a dirty table, a bit of a problem. Could you give it a bit of a wipe, for example? Another example would be this, and this is a longer one. Imagine someone announcing to someone else that there's been an accident, but they're trying to minimise the seriousness of it because for some reason they're embarrassed about it or they want to reduce the shock. So it's like we've had a little bit of a problem in the factory. Now, this is something that I've I've actually heard is a real thing. Like, um, I can't remember the company, but there was some example. I mentioned this in the What Brits Say Versus What They Mean episode. There was some example of a factory that was taken over, I think, by a German company. So you've got German managers dealing with English staff in a factory. And the English staff were reporting to the managers problems, but they were using minimising language. So, you know, we had, a, we had a slight issue on the shop floor, for example, and the German is thinking, oh, it's only a slight issue. But the English person actually means it, it was a problem. It was like a genuine problem. But he said a bit of an issue or a slight issue. So... For some reason, that kind of minimising language is quite uh, common. So imagine someone announcing to someone else that there's been an accident, but they're trying to minimise the seriousness of it. So it might go a bit like this. Now, this is an exaggerated situation, okay? I'm just exaggerating this for effect, but it's also a chance to look at some examples of minimising language. So as you listen to me explaining this problem that happened in the restaurant, I'd like you to A, try to notice the minimising language, and B, try to identify exactly what happened in the restaurant. Okay? So it goes like this. Um, Sorry, can I have a bit of a chat with you? Just a bit of a chat. Uh, It's no big deal. It'll just take a second. Uh, It's just that we, well, we might have had a little bit of a problem downstairs. There's just sort of been a little bit of an explosion in the kitchen. Just a tiny little bang, really. More More of a pop. Really, just a tiny little pop. You'd hardly notice it, really. But I, I heard it, though, and I thought, did I just imagine that? Or did someone just pop a balloon or, or fart or something? And then I picked myself up off the ground and had a look downstairs. And yeah, the, the restaurant is, uh, well, it's a bit, a bit scratched. And there's, there's a slight hole in the wall and in the ceiling. And just a few puffs of smoke. 
And at first I thought, oh, is that the chef having a cigarette out the back? I thought he'd given up. But um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't him. I guess he won't be smoking again in a hurry. <laughs> uh, could you speak to him? Well, uh, well, he's, he's a bit tied up at the moment. No, no he can't come to the phone. He's, um, well, he, he's just resting. I think he fainted or maybe just fell over a little bit after the thing, the thing, the, the thing that happened in the kitchen. And his head might have fallen off slightly. And he might have lost a couple of other limbs in the confusion. But anyway, no need to worry too much. It's basically under control, more or less. I just thought you, you, you might, uh, might want to just pop down to the kitchen and, and maybe have a look and, 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 and call an ambulance. Yeah, I, I would do it myself. But the thing is, I've lost my legs and I'm feeling a bit sleepy. So I think I'm just going to go and have a bit of a lie down. But I thought you might like to know. Okay. Right. So there you go. Um, so it's always a slight problem or a bit of a problem. Let me go through that paragraph again and highlight the minimizing language. So my questions were, A, what, were the, minim- what was the minimizing language? We're going to look at that in a second. And B, it was, um, what was the other thing? Like what actually happened? Well, basically there was an explosion in the kitchen of the restaurant. The explosion blew a hole in the ceiling and in, in the wall. It, it, it blew the chef's head off. So the chef has lost his head. Uh, it, it also blew my legs off. So I'm dying. Uh, as I'm making the phone call, and the sh- the restaurant is on fire. <laughs> okay, just that, just a bit of a problem, just a slight issue. Let me go through that paragraph again and highlight the minimising language. By the way, we're going to come back to the comedy sketch in a moment, and we're going to understand all of that as well. Okay, if you, so if you're thinking, but I didn't understand the comedy sketch. I'm, I was like one of your students in your classes. We're coming back to that in a moment. So anyway, the paragraph. So it was. Um, it's just that we might have had a little bit of a problem. So it's not that we have had a problem, but we might have had a problem. And notice it's might have had, meaning in the past, right? It's not we might have a problem, that's now. We might have had a problem is we had a problem before. And not just a problem, a little bit of a problem. And there's just been an explosion. So just and or there's just sort of been a little bit of an explosion. So it's not there's been an explosion, but there's just sort of been a little bit of an explosion in the kitchen. Just a tiny little bang, really. Just a tiny little bang. More of a pop, really. So sort of minimising the language. Not an explosion, but it's a, a tiny little bang or a, or a pop, really. A pop, you know. Uh, just a tiny little pop. You'd hardly notice it, really. I heard it, though, and I thought, did I imagine that? Or did, did someone just pop a balloon or fart or something? And then I picked myself off the ground, uh, and I had a look downstairs. And yeah, the restaurant, it's a, well, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit scratched. So not scratched, but a bit scratched. And scratched also is a, is a, is a word that sounds less serious. I mean, scratched just means it's slight damage. You know, like, for example, if, if someone uh, pulls a key across your car, they'd scratch it. So it doesn't sound that serious. And oh, there's a slight hole in the wall. So not a hole in the wall, but a slight hole, like a little bit of a hole. And, and in the ceiling. And a few puffs of smoke. Uh, so not lots of smoke, but just a few puffs of smoke. Like when someone smokes a cigarette, there are little puffs of smoke. Uh, so again, making it sound less serious. And again, like I said before, this is, I mean, this is an exaggerated situation. I really don't think any, honestly, I don't think any British person would 
report an exploded restaurant like this. I'm just sort of exaggerating. Um, At first I thought, oh, is that the chef having a cigarette out the back? I thought he'd given up. But no, it wasn't him. I guess he won't be smoking again in a hurry. Because I suppose he's dead. Uh, can you speak? To, uh, can you speak to him? Well, he's a bit tied up at the moment, meaning he's he's busy. No, he can't come to the phone. He's uh, he's well. He's he's just resting. I think he fainted or maybe fell over after the thing that happened in the kitchen, and his head might have fallen off slightly. <laughs> his head might have fallen off slightly. So he's lost his his head has come off. He's been decapitated, but I'm saying his head might have fallen off slightly. I mean, you're, either your head can fall off or not. It doesn't fall off slightly, does it? And he might have lost a couple of other limbs. Limbs. These are arms or legs. He might have lost a couple of other limbs in the in the confusion, in the confusion. But anyway, no need to worry too much. It's basically under control, more or less. Well, more or less. Uh, Less, I think. I just thought you might want to just pop down to the kitchen. To pop down to the kitchen means just make a quick visit to the kitchen, nothing serious, and have a look and maybe call an ambulance. Yeah, I would do it myself, but I've lost my legs and I'm feeling a bit sleepy. I'm feeling a bit sleepy, which means I'm dying. I'm about to pass out. So I'm going to have a bit of a lie down. But I thought you might like to know. So that that's lots of the... Um, uh, minimizing language then. So back to the sketch then, back to the comedy sketch. Uh, this sketch is making fun of our culture, I think. Uh, I think it's making fun of the way that we are afraid of causing a fuss. Also, it makes fun of the over-the-top way that fancy restaurants might apologize for small problems. They're so keen to welcome and satisfy their customers. The sketch also gets completely carried away, especially when John Cleese's Mungo comes out. So to an extent, it's a little bit pointless analysing Monty Python's comedy because they make fun of absolutely everything. But I feel that they're definitely poking fun at sort of stuffy, polite culture and the tendency for Brits to try to avoid making a fuss. Because, I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? It's only a dirty fork. Just tell them. Like, I've got a dirty fork. Can you can you get me a clean one, please? Uh, but they're so worried about causing a fuss. Why do people minimise negative things? Well, they want it to sound less serious. They don't want to make someone feel that they're complaining too much. They want to show it's no problem. It's just a bit of a dirty fork. It's no problem. But why would it be a problem? Well, if you had a dirty fork, you would just say, excuse me, can I have another fork, please? This one's a bit dirty. The waiter is not going to be mortified. He'll just get you another fork. The sketch represents the customer's worst fear that there will be a problem or a fuss. We don't want to cause a fuss. We don't want to make a scene, for example. Right, now let's go through the sketch again and understand it in detail. Okay, so we're going to go through the sketch again. And let's see, um, could you try and repeat the lines that you hear? By the way, there is a full script to this sketch on the page for this episode. Let's go through it again. I'm going to pause after each bit, see if you can repeat what you hear. I'm also going to just clarify it just in case you were wondering. And as I said, there is a script on the page for this episode, so you can see absolutely every single word. Here we go. (laughs) And now for something completely different. And now for something completely different, which is a uh, something that uh, you often hear in Monty Python sketches. Uh, they they often say that between the sketches. And now for something completely different. It's nice here, isn't it? It's nice here, isn't it? 
Now, I'd like you to try and repeat these lines after me. Maybe we'll go through the uh, the script uh, as well, but try and repeat these things. It's nice here, isn't it? Mmm, nice here, isn't it? Oh, very good restaurant. Three stars, you know? Mmm, very good restaurant. Three stars, you know? So, the man sounds a bit posh. Maybe it's just old-fashioned. Very good restaurant. Three stars, you know? Mm. Good evening, sir. Good evening, madam. So here's the waiter, and he's French, and he's played by Terry Jones, and he's he, obviously it's a ridiculous, over-the-top, stereotype, cliched French waiter. Good evening, sir. Good evening, madame. And may I say what a pleasure it is to see you here again, sir. Oh. May I say what a pleasure it is to see you here again, sir. To see you here, not here, but here. Uh, what a pleasure it is to see you here again, sir. Thank you. Hmm. Well, there you are, dear. Have a look there. Well, there you are, dear. Have a look there. Anything you like? Anything you like? The uh, Burfon Crute is fantastic. The Burfon Crute is fantastic. This is a French dish. The Burfon Crute is fantastic. And the waiter then makes his suggestion. If I may suggest, sir. If I may suggest, madame. If I may suggest, sir, the pheasant à la reine. The sauce is one of the chef's most famous creations. Mm. The so- the pheasant à la reine. The sauce is one of the chef's most famous creations. The sauce is one of the chef's most famous creations. Mm. That sounds good. <laughs> anyway, just have a look. Take your time. Mm, that sounds good. Anyway, just have a look. Take your time. All nice phrases. Oh, uh, by the way, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Could you uh, get me another one? Oh, uh, by the way, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Could you uh, get me another one? Which actually is fine. I think it's a fine way of putting it, in all honesty. I think that the way that the man deals with it is fine. I think that the think that what happens next with the fuss that's caused is the sort of thing that the average Brit would be afraid of. But the way the man uh, asks for another fork is fine. By the way, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Uh, could you get me another one? Oh, uh, by the way, I've got a bit of a dirty fork. Could you uh, get me another one? I beg your pardon? I beg your pardon? Which is another, it's a polite way of saying, what? I beg your pardon? Um, well, nothing. I, I've got a... Well, it's, it, it, it seems, sounds very posh here. Well, it's nothing. Uh, I've just got a bit of a dirty fork. The dirty fork. Could you uh, get me another one? A bigger bottle? Um, well, nothing. I, I've got a fork. A little bit dirty. Could you get me another one? Thank you. Oh, sir, I do apologise. Oh, sir, I do apologise. Which is actually a very good way to apologise. If you ever need to apologise sincerely and in quite a polite manner, then you can do it like that. Oh, I, I do apologise. I'm very sorry. I do apologise. Oh, I'm very sorry. I, oh, I do apologise. Let me get you another one. Oh, no need to apologise. Doesn't worry me. Oh, oh no need to apologise, which again is something you can say if someone apologises to you. Sorry, just got a bit of a dirty fork. Could you get me another one? Oh, sir, I do apologise. No need to apologise. Oh, no, no, no. I do apologise. I will fetch the head waiter immediately. I will fetch the head waiter immediately. Or immediately. I will fetch the head waiter. Fetch. This is a good word. Did you know this word? Fetch. Fetch means to go and get someone or something. Fetch is what you say to a dog. You know, when you take your dog to the park, uh, if you have a dog, if you don't take your dog to the park, then you won't know what I'm talking about. You'll be like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't have a dog, Luke. What are you talking about? When you take your dog to the park and you take a stick and you throw the stick, you say, fetch. 
and the dog runs and fetches the stick and brings it back to you, right? That's fetch. So, oh, I do apologise, sir. I will fetch the head waiter immediately. Oh, there's no need to do that. Oh, no, no. No, there's no need to do that. Again, a nice thing. It's like saying you don't need to. It's not necessary to do that. There's no need to do that. There's no need to apologise. There's no need to do that. I'm sure the head waiter, he will want to apologise to you himself. I'm sure the head waiter, he will want to apologise to you himself. I will fetch him at once. I will fetch him at once. And the woman, I think, says, well, you certainly get good service here. They, they, they really look after you, don't they? You, they, you certainly get good service here. Yes, they really look after you. Well, you certainly get good service They here, really look you? after you, yes. Excuse me, sir, madame. Here comes the head waiter, who is also French. Uh, excuse me, sir, madame. And because the other waiter has brought him over. By the way, the body language of the waiters is very, he's like rubbing his hands and he's kind of leaning over in a very subservient, subservient manner, uh, desperately trying to give these customers the greatest restaurant experience they could have. And he's kind of rubbing his hands together. And the waiter, uh, the head waiter comes over very serious and uh, the waiter points at the fork. The head waiter picks up the fork and inspects it. It's filthy. It's filthy. It's filthy. Filthy. Nice word. It means very dirty. It's absolutely filthy. It's an extreme adjective. It's filthy. Gaston, find out who washed this up and give them their cards immediately. Gaston, that's the name of the waiter. Find out who washed this up. To wash something up. Do you know the phrasal verb to wash up or to do the washing up? To wash something up means, you know, to clean something in the kitchen. You've got the kitchen where the food is cooked and also you've got the area where all the plates and pans and pots and knives and forks and cutlery, everything is cleaned or washed up. Find out who washed this up and give them their cards immediately. Give them their cards immediately. I suppose this means sack them, right? Dismiss them. Um, Fire them immediately. Gaston, find out who washed this up and give them their cards immediately. It's filthy. Gaston! Find out to wash this up and give them their cards immediately. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Better still, can't afford to take any chances. Sack the entire washing up staff. <laughs> Better still, we can't take any chances. Sack the entire washing up staff. Meanwhile, the man is kind of saying, no, 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 no it's not necessary. Immediately. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Better still, can't afford to take any chances. Sack the entire washing up staff. We can't take any chances. Sack the entire washing up staff. No, look, look, I don't want to make any trouble. Oh, no, please, it's not trouble. It's quite right that you should point these kind of things out. I love his performance. This is Michael Palin. Um, oh, no, no, it's no trouble. It's quite right that you should uh, point these kinds of things out. Oh, no, 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 it's no trouble. It's quite right that you should point these things out, to point something out, to sort of uh, bring attention to something. Look, I don't want to make any trouble. Oh, no, please, it's no trouble. It's quite right that you should point these kind of things out. Gaston, tell the manager what has happened immediately. Gaston, tell the manager what has happened immediately. Tell the manager what has happened immediately. It's quite right that you should point these kind of things out. Gaston, tell the manager what has happened immediately. No, no, no. please, please, I, I don't want to cause any fuss. Please, please, I, I, I don't want to cause any fuss. Okay. Please, it's no fuss. We simply wish to ensure that nothing interferes with your complete enjoyment of the meal. This is actually quite nice English. We just wish to ensure that nothing uh, interferes with your complete enjoyment of the meal. But that's certainly the, the word ensure. We wish to ensure. It's quite formal language. 
to ensure, it means to make sure, we wish to ensure that nothing interferes with your complete enjoyment of the meal. We simply wish to ensure that nothing interferes with your complete enjoyment of the meal. I'm sure it won't. It was only a dirty fork. I'm sure it won't. It was only a dirty fork. And at this point, things turn a bit wrong and the waiter goes on to explain how terrible the situation is. I know. And I'm sorry. Bitterly sorry. I'm sorry. I'm bitterly sorry. So there's another apology. We've got, I do apologise, but also, I'm sorry, which is simple. I'm bitterly sorry. Bitterly sorry. This is a bit extreme now. But I know that no apologies I can make can alter the fact that in our restaurant... You have been given a dirty, filthy, smelly piece of cotton. I know that no apology I can make can alter the fact that in our restaurant... What is it? I know that no apology I can make can alter the fact that in our restaurant you have been given a dirty, filthy, smelly piece of cutlery. <laughs> it's a nice sentence again quite formal language and if you wanted to make a really sincere apology this is how you could do it but it goes a bit ridiculous when he starts calling the cutlery f- smelly no apology i can make can alter the fact can change the fact that in our restaurant you have been given a dirty filthy smelly piece of cutlery and the man says well it wasn't smelly it was smelly and obscene and disgusting and I hate it, I hate it, I hate it nasty, grubby, dirty, mangy <laughs> he's going really over the top now it was smelly and I, disgusting and I hate it and I hate it, nasty, grubby, smelly, mangy little thing um, <laughs> uh, it was smelly and obscene and disgusting and I hate it, I hate it nasty, grubby, grubby meaning dirty dirty, mangy Mangy means kind of dirty and maybe a bit sick, uh, uh, in poor condition. Um, it actually comes from the word mange. Mange is a sort of disease that affects some animals. Like if you can imagine like a, a stray cat, a cat that has no home, if it's diseased, uh, you can see that it's got like problems on its skin. Some of its fur is coming off. The poor little thing. Mangy, a mangy cat. So mangy meaning sort of in poor condition, disgusting, shoddy, dirty, filthy, maybe sick. So uh, it was smelly and obscene and disgusting and I hate it. Nasty, grubby, dirty, mangy, scrubby little fork. And he runs He runs away as the um, the restaurant manager takes his place. This is, um, thank you, you know, he asks him to leave. Thank you, Gaston. Lovely little boy! Which, oh, oh, Gil- Gilberto is his name. <laughs> so here comes the manager. He's very smooth. He's very polite. He's English. He comes out to greet the, uh, the diners. And suddenly it's all getting very serious because he, he says, I'm the manager. I've only just heard. <laughs> I'm the manager. I've only just heard. Which is like saying, I've only just heard about the problem. May I sit down? He asks if he can join them. And this is really over the top now. This is all too much for just a dirty fork. Good evening, sir. Good evening, madam. I'm the manager. I've only just heard. And may I sit down? Yes, of course. (laughs) I want to apologise humbly, deeply and sincerely about the fork. (laughs) Again, over the top apologies. I want to apologise humbly, 
hum to be humble it's kind of like humble basically means when you make yourself sort of smaller or less important it's to be modest to show a low estimation of your importance if you're humble okay uh, so he he wants to apologize humbly deeply and sincerely about the fork which is and it's obviously this is way over the top now at this point oh no please i was only tiny bit dirty. I just I couldn't see it so the man says, no, 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 it's just tiny little bit. I, you know, I, I couldn't see it. So he's minimising the problem. And the, the, the manager then says, oh, you're good, fine people for saying that. Oh, you're good, kind, fine people for saying that. But I can see it. To me, it's like a mountain. <laughs> so he holds up the fork and he's like, to me, it's like a mountain. Obviously, you, you understand that. Then he says, a vast bowl of pus. A vast bowl of pus. Well... Vast, you know, meaning very, very big, okay? Um, pus is totally disgusting, right? Pus is horrible. It's something that comes out of your body. It's a kind of thick yellowish or greenish liquid which is produced by infected tissue in your body. It's basically white blood cells and bacteria, tissue debris and stuff like that. So pus is like if you've got... A, a wound on your arm, let's say, if you've got a cut on your arm, and after a couple of days, may, especially if it's got like bacteria in it, it's going to start producing pus. Pus is that disgusting li yellow liquid stuff that comes out of um, bacteria infected wounds. Ugh. So he says, to me, it's like a vast bowl of pus. Ugh. Pus is spelt P U S. And the man's like, it's not as bad as that. A vast bowl of pus. <laughs> it gets me here. It gets me here, he says, sort of putting his fist to his heart. Like, it really gets me here. I can't give you any excuses for it. There are no excuses. I've been meaning to spend more time in the restaurant recently. I've been meaning to spend more time in the restaurant recently. I've been meaning to spend more time in the restaurant recently. If you mean to do something, it means you intend to do it, all right? So, for example, I've been meaning to spend more time in the restaurant recently, meaning you know, I have wanted to spend more time in the restaurant or I've, I've intended to spend more time in the restaurant. I've been meaning to spend more time in the restaurant recently. This is a, a good phrase that you can use to just say, you know, that... Especially when you haven't done something, but you've been intending to do it for, for some time. Um, you can imagine, let's say, someone complaining to you, like your, your mum or something, or uh, let's say your mum is complaining to you, saying, you know, uh, what about all of these clothes? They need to be tidied away. And you could say, yeah, I've, I've been meaning to do that for a while. I've been meaning to do that for ages. Or let's say you didn't, you know, someone emailed you and you didn't reply. Could we all do it? Someone emails and you don't reply and it's like days and days go by and you still haven't replied and then you have to reply but you kind of apologise at the beginning. Like, I'm really sorry for my late reply. Uh, I've been meaning to get back to you for ages. So I've been meaning to spend more time in the kitchen recently, says the manager. But now he's kind of uh, telling like a sad, sad, tragic story of why the, the couple got this dirty fork on their table for it. There are no excuses. I've been meaning to spend more time in the restaurant recently, but I haven't been too well. And things aren't going very well back there. I haven't been too well, meaning he's, he hasn't been very healthy. And things aren't going 
too the things aren't going very well back there he says pointing at the kitchen meaning they've been having problems in the kitchen as we're going to hear the poor cook's son has been put away again and the poor cook's son has been put away again <laughs> oh god so uh the, the the cook's son has been put away what do you think that means uh i i <laughs> I shouldn't really laugh about it, really. But the, the cook's son has been put away. That means that the son has been maybe put in some kind of hospital or some kind of home. Maybe the cook's son um, is a problem and they've been taken to some kind of special clinic or something like that. Maybe um, the men in the white coats have come to take the son away. The, the poor cook's son has, has been taken away again. I guess maybe the social services have come to take the son away for, for some reason. The poor cook's son has been taken away again. And things aren't going very well back there. The poor cook's son has been put away again, and poor old Mrs. Dalrymple, who does the washing up, can hardly move her, her poor fingers. Uh, Mrs. Dalrymple, who does the washing up, uh, can hardly move her poor fingers. So we're imagining some old woman who does the washing up who's probably got arthritis in her hands. She can hardly move her poor fingers. And poor old Mrs. Dalrymple, who does the washing up, can hardly move her, her poor fingers. She can hardly move her poor fingers. There's a little language point to be made here. She can hardly move her fingers. So hardly, it's interesting, hardly move, right? Hardly move. I can hardly see. I can hardly hear. I can hardly think. Um, this means uh, you virtually can't do it, right? You can, you, you, I can hardly do it means I can almost not do it. It's very difficult to do it. And I'm raising this point because sometimes people use uh, hard uh, as the adverb. Uh, but watch out, there's a difference. So for example, to work hard and to hardly work. Can you see the difference? To work hard means you work, you know, um, you put a lot of effort into the work. And to hardly work means that you almost don't work at all. All right, so the problem, the, the thing that people say is they say hardly when they mean hard, okay? For example, it's raining hard. It's raining really hard. And people might say it's hardly raining or it's raining hardly, which is wrong. It should be it's raining hard because saying it's hardly raining means that bip, 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 it's just raining a little bit. Okay, anyway, just a random thing there. So watch out. Hardly, as an adverb, is a minimizing word. Okay, for example, hardly ever. Like, I hardly ever go to the cinema these days, meaning I rarely go to the cinema. So anyway, um, she can hardly move her poor fingers. And then there's Gilberto's war wound. <laughs> and then there's Gilberto's war wound. A wound, I said that before, it's like an injury to your body. It's probably a cut or something like that. For example, if someone, let's say, someone attacked you with a samurai sword, hopefully that will never happen, unless, unless, you, you know, unless you've got a sword as well. And if you are a ninja, then that's quite possible. Maybe it's a daily occurrence for you. Oh, ching, ching. Oh, just another sword attack. No problem. Anyway, if someone attacks you with a samurai sword and they cut your arm, you'd have a big wound on your arm, right? Anyway, uh, he, he's saying, and then there's Gilberto's war wound. So a war wound is obviously a wound that you pick up during the war. Gilberto's war wound has been playing up again. If something's playing up, it means it's, it's uh, giving you pain and discomfort again. I can hardly move her, her poor fingers. And then there's Gilberto's war wound. 
But they're good people. <laughs> and they're kind people. Oh, God, it's such a tragic story. But they're good people and they're kind people. <laughs> Together, we were beginning to get over this dark patch. Together, we were beginning to get over this dark patch. Nice phrasal verb, to get over something, meaning to recover from something or to, um, yeah, that'll do, to recover from something. For example, if you're sick, it might take you a while to get over it. If you, if your dog dies, you're going to be sad and upset, but you'll eventually get over it. If you, if you split up with your girlfriend or boyfriend, you'll be upset, but you'll get over it. So together, we were beginning to get over this dark patch. And they're kind people. Together, we were beginning to get over this dark patch. There was light at the end of the tunnel. There was light at the end of the tunnel, meaning there was hope. There was light at the end of the tunnel when this happened. And he holds the fork up in the air in a very melodramatic style. When this! When this happened! Could I get you some water? It's the end of the road! It's the end of the road. So he's completely um, uh, devastated. And then in the background, we see John Cleese walking uh, out of the kitchen into the restaurant. And John Cleese, I mean, if you know what he looks like, he's very tall. And he's quite good at playing these physically imposing characters. So here comes Mungo, the chef or the cook, coming out of the kitchen, holding a meat cleaver in his hand. A meat cleaver is a big knife, as I said before, a big heavy knife that a a butcher would use to chop up pieces of meat. So out he comes, and he he immediately says, You bastards! You vicious, heartless bastards! (laughs) (laughs) You bastards! You vicious, heartless bastards. Uh, Vicious. Vicious basically means like very cruel, very violent. Deliberately cruel and violent. You vicious, heartless bastards, Um, he says. And obviously the man and woman are very taken aback by this. This is all getting a bit out out of control. (laughs) And the man does this pathetic laugh as a way of trying to make it all seem okay. Vicious, heartless bastards! <laughs> Look what you've done to him! Look what you've done to him! I love this performance. He's worked his fingers to the bone to make this place what it is! He's worked his fingers to the bone! If you work your fingers to the bone, it means you work very, very hard. Look at what you've done to him. He's worked his fingers to the bone to make this place what it is. And you come in with your petty, feeble quibbling. And you come in with your petty, feeble quibbling. Petty, meaning unimportant. Feeble, meaning weak. Quibbling, meaning small complaints. Making small complaints. You come in with your petty, feeble quibbling. And you grind him into the dirt. And you grind him into the dirt. If you imagine grinding someone into the dirt, it's like pushing them down into the ground, into the dirt of the ground. Grinding someone, you know, like grinding. You grind coffee beans. Uh, you would grind pepper. Uh, you grind, so crush and squash someone. 
you come in here with your petty, feeble quibbling and you grind him into the dust or you grind him into the dirt, this fine, honourable man. Oh, quibbling! And you grind him into the dirt! <laughs> this fine, honourable man whose boots you are not worthy to kiss! This fine, honourable man whose boots you are not worthy to kiss. Meaning you're not worthy to kiss his boots. Meaning you're not a good enough person to kiss this man's boots. <laughs> oh, it makes me mad. <laughs> oh, it makes me mad. And this is where he starts to become Mungo. And he starts to sort of slap his head as if it's, it's like some sort of mental condition is kicking in. Oh, it makes me mad. Mad. Like that, and he starts to become a monster. (laughs) (laughs) And he slams the uh, meat cleaver into the middle of the table. Wham! Easy, Mungo. Easy. (laughs) His name is Mungo. I love the way his name is Mungo. Isn't the character in uh, from Mice uh, of Mice and Men? Is his name Mungo? You know the big slightly sort of um what's the no his name's lenny lenny is one of the characters of uh, in of mice of men of mice and men he's like this big slightly simple character big dangerous but simple character his name is lenny anyway mungo in this case so uh michael palin's character the the head waiter comes out and he's trying to control mungo and he's easy mungo easy but mungo is like losing his mind and he's he's starting to get violent so um this is gilberto i suppose michael palin's character he's trying to control mungo and he immediately goes oh the war wound so this is where the war wound comes in and he starts holding his head and at this point it's become a farcical melodramatic tragedy like some sort of extreme farce from melodramatic theater so gilberto is holding his head because of the war wound mungo is going mad uh with anger and uh the manager is holding up the fork um and i think he starts shouting it's the end <laughs> they've destroyed him and the manager stabs himself with the with the fork and dies and, oh! He's dead. We killed him. <laughs> so john cleese is like this sort of crazy monster they've killed him they killed him and he points at the the man and woman and he grabs his uh, meat cleaver and at this point the uh, the the waiter from the beginning of the sketch runs out and rugby tackles uh, Mungo and they fall over the table and it ends in total uh, slapstick farce. Revenge! 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 Mungo! Mungo! Never kill a customer. I do like that line actually. No, no, Mungo, wait! Never kill a customer. As if that's a rule that they need to remind him of. Never kill a customer, Mungo. (laughs) And now the punchline. Lucky we didn't say anything about the dirty knife. Lucky we didn't say anything about the dirty knife. And everyone in the restaurant goes, boo, because it's a cheesy punchline. So there you are, folks. 
That was the Dirty Fork or Restaurant Sketch uh, from Monty Python's Flying Circus. You can see the entire um, transcript on the page for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed that more than some of my classes did back in the days when I used to use that in London. Because, I mean, they, you know, my classes, as I said, they would just sort of be a bit shocked or be a bit kind of stunned by it. And I can understand why now, if I play them this thing that they don't really understand. And it starts out with quite a nice scene in a restaurant and it ends up with like, you know, guys stabbing themselves with forks and uh, a, a mad chef going, revenge! So I can understand why they might not quite see the, the, the humour in it. But uh, I love that sketch. I just love the performances and all and the ridiculousness of it. So there you go. That's the end of this episode. We're going to stop here and I'm going to go and have my lunch now and enjoy the spring, the springtime. All right. So you can always leave your comments on the page uh, for this episode and just leave your thoughts and stuff like that and continue to write your comments about posh or not posh. As I said before, hopefully I'll be talking to Amber and Paul tomorrow unless something happens and then we have to cancel, but hopefully that's going to uh, occur and you'll get an episode with the three of us talking about that subject. With Without doubt, there will be the usual tangents here and there. So I'll be speaking to you again soon. Don't forget to download the Luke's English Podcast app where you can get bonus episodes and stuff. You can use the app also to access all the premium content that I make every month. I've got uh, premium content in the pipeline about the episode I did with my brother James recently. That was a very, very popular episode. That's, in fact, the most popular episode that I've done so far this year. The episode with James. I think it was called Talking About Comedy, Books, Music and Films with James. Very popular episode. And so I'm making a premium episode all about that. And I've picked out loads of language that just came up naturally in the conversation. And I'm going to break it all down and explain it for you, demonstrate it. It's more demonstrating the language rather than just giving you definitions. It's just giving you, like, repeating the phrase again and again in different situations, in different contexts and different grammatical situations as well, and then um, testing you on it and then drilling it for pronunciation at the end. So that's coming up on Luke's English Podcast Premium soon. If you're an app user, you'll see that yesterday I uploaded a little video just to say hi. That video is available in the app. Um, check out the categories in the side menu of the app and you'll see all the categories there. There are videos, phrasal verb episodes, premium episodes, normal episodes. Uh, there are also app-only episodes and videos and all sorts of stuff. So check out the Luke's English Podcast app. You can find it from the, the app store, uh, either for Android devices or iOS devices. And that's that. All right, great. Have a fantastic day. And do leave your comments on the website. It's nice to uh, get your responses to these episodes because, you know, when I'm doing this, I basically speak into the microphone, send the thing off around the world on the internet, and then I kind of don't know what people think. So, you know, it's nice to read your comments. Thank you so much for listening and have a fantastic day or afternoon or morning or night or evening uh, or bus journey or bath or, um, you know, balloon ride or whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.